All right, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Lord God in heaven, what a privilege it is to be able to uh, come to you with all of our our petitions, Father, with all of the burdens upon our hearts. Uh, At the same time, Father, to be able to approach you and praise you and and just adore you and worship you uh, for all that you have done for us and all that you allow us to be involved with, Father. I pray, Lord God, for Randy as he's getting ready to go and have this MRI done. Father, I know he's he's expressed his concern. He says he's always kind of nervous about uh, these uh, MRIs that he has. And we pray, Father, that you would just continue to... um, uh, heal Randy of this brain tumor, Father, and just just take it away. We just pray that you would just take it away from him, Father, and pray to the Lord that uh, all the treatments that he's undergoing, that you would bless those treatments and allow those treatments to have their desired end. I thank you, Father, for those uh, willing hands who come and, and serve your body, this church. Everything from uh, working in the E-Wing to washing windows and cleaning bathrooms and putting together the Word of God and fixing meals and everything that's, that is done. I thank you so much, Lord God, for willing hearts and, and, and ready hands uh, to um, take care of all these things. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, for your blessing on this time as we look into your word. And, Father, we're going to look at a topic that is, as yourself, just, it, there's just no limits, no boundaries uh, to your goodness. And so what little time uh, is presented to us here, Father, we pray uh, for your blessing on this on this. Um, benefit that we have when we trust in you with all of our hearts and lean out on our own understanding, knowing Father, that um, your goodness just surrounds us. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so we've been um, looking at Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6. That's been our springboard. Um, talking about uh, the benefits or the results of someone who trusts in God. Uh, you know, those things that we can experience in life, such as guidance and direction, a greater potential for happiness or blessing, um, uh, steadfastness in one's life, so forth and so on. So we're going to look at the, the, uh, the, I shouldn't say the last, because there's so many blessings associated with trusting in the Lord. But let me say this at least, we're going to look at the last in this little series in regards to those benefits, in regards to those blessings. And I want to finish off with experiencing the goodness of God in your life. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not onto your own understanding, uh, when you acknowledge Him in all of your ways, then I will go as far as to say is you are guaranteed to experience the goodness of God in your life. Uh, Proverbs 23.6 says... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why I have this fella here kind of sauntering along with his hands in his pockets, walking along life, but he's being followed by goodness, mercy, and grace. And for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, um, indeed, that is what follows us. That is, that's what surrounds us, is God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace. And without a doubt, God's goodness extends to all of his creation. It extends to all of his creation. Whether his creation wants to recognize his goodness and, or not, God's goodness is, is, is over all of his creation. But especially to those who know Christ, to those who know God, uh, especially uh, God's goodness is certainly over them. His goodness is certainly over their life. Uh, for the redeemed, this goodness of God not only covers this life, but it extends to the life beyond, into the next life. I mean, we experience God's goodness in many, many ways in this life, but my goodness, when we shed this mortal body and we stand in the presence of the Lord, we are just going to be absolutely overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Just be absolutely overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Psalms 25.5 says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me. 
For thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake. Verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who look to God's word, uh, as far as as walking... uh, on this planet, uh, we are promised that God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace is going to is going to follow us. Is going to be with us. And even though these words in, in Psalms is uh, written by an Old Testament saint, uh, they're very applicable for us as well in the New Testament as well. Uh, it, it, you know, it's what was true back in the old dispensation under the law is just as true under the dispensation of grace. He says his goodness has been ever of old. Ever of old. That means that God, God's goodness never changes. Now why is it that God's goodness never changes? Because God never changes. Because God is good and he never changes. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because God is good, his goodness never changes. The Lord who is good, who is our salvation, he desires to lead us in truth. He desires to lead us in truth. All his paths indeed are paved with mercy and truth according to his loving kindness. Uh, he, He is willing to teach sinners in the way. Who in here is not a sinner? Well, I'm glad nobody raised their hand. (laughs) Yeah, we're all sinners, right? We all recognize that. But God is still willing, out of his goodness, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to direct us. In other words, he's not given up on us. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Even though we may no longer be sinners condemned or justified by faith, according to Romans 5.1, and we have, the peace of God, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, still on occasion we goof up, don't we? Still on occasion we might, we might uh, do something that um, is not pleasing to the Lord. Does that mean he kicks us out, that he boots us out, that he has nothing to do with us at all? No. No, his goodness is even, even covers all of those mistakes that I make, covers all those bad attitudes, that, stinky heart attitudes that I entertain, all those cruel things that I might say. God's goodness still covers all of that, and he, and he desires for me to, to, you know, get right with him. So he, he always deals with me in his goodness, even... Even when he when he has to has to come around to discipline me and chastise me, you realize that even when God chastises one of His own, His goodness is still present in that chastisement. Hebrews twelve five through seven says, and and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. He says, My son, despise not now the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. He says, If you endure chastening, God deal with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So even when we are experiencing the chastening of God, he's got to discipline us for something. Even his goodness is present in that. Even his goodness is present in that. He is a good father. And he is such a good father that he's not going to permit me to continue on in my knucklehead ways. He's, he's, going, to, he's going to try to correct me. He's going to step in. He's going to try to, to do something to get me to get the right heart attitude or to repent. Romans 2.4 says, Oh, or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Even the goodness of God to the lost 
is designed to lead them to repentance. Is designed to lead them to repentance. The same, excuse me, the same with us. You know, when we step out of line, even his goodness is designed to lead us into repentance. Repentance, let me tell you something about repentance. Repentance is is key in our development as um, sons of God. If you don't have a repentant heart attitude, you're not going to grow. If you don't have a repentant heart attitude, you're you're just simply not going to grow. What is repentance? Well, repentance is simply changing your mind so that you'll change your behavior. It's getting your mind aligned with God's mind. Because my mind is definitely out of whack, right? And when God shows me that my mind is out of whack, then I say, oh, yep, you're right. And so I change my whacked out mind to God's good mind. That's, that's what repentance is. That's what repentance is. And whenever God chastises, like for instance, when he chastises Israel, right? Um, did he do it to wipe them out? Did he do it because, you know, he was absolutely just... No, he did it because he wanted his chosen people to repent. Even when he sent them off into captivity, it was for the purpose of them to repent, to get their heart right before God. Um, You know, Pastor Randy this last uh, Wednesday talked about the value of suffering in his uh, study on apologetics. And he said one of the reasons why we experience suffering is so that suffering will draw us closer to God. Suffering will draw us closer to God. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So we have to get our minds right in line with God. And when we do that, then we're drawing nigh to God, and God will draw nigh to us. And that's all repentance is. It's having your mind aligned with God's will. Having your mind aligned with God's will. That's, that's all it is. It doesn't have to be anything more complicated than that. You know, you don't have to go to a little box and confess your sins and have somebody give you prayers for penance. You don't have to do any of that. It's just get your, get your mind in line with God's mind. Hebrews 12.10 says, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. That's talking about our earthly fathers. But he, God, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. See, that's, that's the goal that he has in mind. That we be partakers of his holiness. That we be like he is. Verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. If you ever had your little bottom paddled by your father, that's not a whole lot of fun, is it? Well, when God chastens us, sometimes that's not a whole lot of fun either. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That's what the whole intention is. That's what the whole intention is. It's because God is good that he deals with us as, as his sons... And it is by his goodness, it's because of his goodness that he chastens us or disciplines us. And what he's doing is he's leading us back into the blessing of his goodness. So no matter how you turn, you're always surrounded by God's goodness. Always surrounded by God's goodness. That ought to make you shout. That that should. That just should make you shout. Turn to Psalms 31.19. Psalms 31.19. Psalms 31.19, we read, Oh, how great is thy goodness! which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Now, I said a while back 
that um, God works how did I word it God works towards two ends can you remember what those two ends are I had to look it up too there you go his glory is one and our ultimate good is the other okay so that's God's two ends our ultimate good and for his glory and you see that right here in this verse here in in verse 19 of Psalm 31 for our good we read goodness is laid up for them that fear thee goodness wrought for them that trust in thee that's for our good and then we see for God's glory before the sons of men you see when when people see God's goodness on our lives that gives glory to God that gives glory to God when people who do not know God see your life as you seek to please the Lord they see that goodness of God having an influence in your life and that glorifies God before others I don't know how many times on, on the job I would have individuals come up and ask me questions about eternity. Now if you know me, you know that I'm not one of those in-your-face you know, evangelists. I'm not one of these guys that are always shoving tracks in people's hands. I just, I just try to, to live what I believe. And they'd see me read my Bible at lunch they knew that I wasn't checking out all the other gals on the line. They knew that my convert... I'm not trying to brag about me being anything special, but that's just the goodness of God working in my life. And so they'd come to me and say, Jeff, what about this? Jeff, what about that? There's something going on here. You know, What does the Bible have to say about that? So when people see the goodness of God in your life, you're glorifying God before these people. You're glorifying God before these people. The psalmist proclaims, Oh, how great is thy goodness! The word great has um, two or three implications to it. It means abundant. It means abundant. And that God's goodness is never exhausted. It's never depleted. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can never exhaust the goodness of God. You can never exhaust the goodness of God. You can't keep pulling on his goodness account, right, until there's nothing left to, to pull from. Because it never depletes. It's always enough. And that God's goodness is always enough. Never too little and never too much. It's always enough. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's goodness, His grace, is always sufficient. It's always enough. It will never fail to provide what is needed. It's never too much and it's never too little. It's always enough. And it's numerous. God's goodness is manifested in manifold ways, in numerous ways numerous ways 1 Peter 4.10 says as every man hath received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God manifold grace of God when I was working at the pharmaceutical plant we'd have these huge um, 38,000 gallon tanks that we'd have to transfer product back and forth to these tanks during the process. 
And we worked through a manifold. And what this manifold did was simply direct the product where it needed to go in the, in the, in the process. God's grace is that way. It's, 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 it's of various colors, it's of various sorts, whatever the need, God's grace can cover it. God's grace can meet it. There's nothing that God's grace can't cover, can't meet. So God's goodness is never exhausted, it's always enough, and God's grace fits every need and issue of life. Do you believe that? Do you? (laughs) Even when you're in the midst of your circumstances? Yeah. Even if you don't believe it, it's still true. That's the goodness of God. Even if you don't see it, it's still true. That's the goodness of God. Even if you're not aware, even aware of it working, (laughs) it is. Because that's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. How many of us have gone through something only to look back later and say, Ah, that's how God worked this out. Or that's where God was. He's always there. So God's goodness is great. And also about this this word goodness as well, just like with the great, there's a threefold understanding of this goodness. Uh, The first understanding of uh, God's, uh, how great is thy goodness, Uh, goodness in the sense of um, things, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, Things, um, supply, uh, necessities, those things that are uh, necessities. Honestly, folks, there are certain necessities that we need to live on this planet, isn't there? Basic necessities. Air to breathe, water to drink, food to eat, shelter. Those are basic necessities. Basic necessities. Genesis 2.9 says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God provides, out of his goodness, the necessities that we need in life. These are things that we often take for granted. Wouldn't you have to admit that? I mean, don't we take for granted that we're breathing? (laughs) Or don't we take for granted that we can go and turn a spigot and fill up a glass with water? Now, there's a lot of things that man takes for granted that God, out of God's goodness he provides for the necessities. He provides for the necessities. God's goodness is seen in the bounty of this earth. Even though this earth is under a, a curse, it's still, out of the goodness of God, provides what we need. Can you imagine when that curse is lifted? I think there's a passage in Amos that says that the uh, reapers will overtake the sowers. In fact, the world will be so fertile, you'll no longer throw, you no sooner throw a seed in the ground than it'll be springing up. That's how fertile this earth is going to be. Just like God originally intended it. Matthew 5, uh, 45 says, And that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Do you ever stop and think about that? There's a lot of people out there denying that God even exists, but they still benefit from his goodness. They still benefit from his goodness. Psalms 147, 7 through 9, 
Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beasts his food and to the young ravens which cry. He provides for all of his creation out of his goodness. Psalms 145, 15 through 16. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfies the desire of every living creature, every living thing. Right now, this very minute, we are the benefactors, is that the right word, of God's goodness. Praise God for air conditioning. You know? He also provides for man's relational needs. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now there might be some guys that disagree with that. (laughs) But wives... uh, I'm sorry. But husbands... Your wives is because of the goodness of God. And wives, (laughs) your husbands, is because of the goodness of God. He's provided for our relational needs. And even if you're you're not married, God still provides for your relational needs. In the church, friends, family, other people, he provides. Even, Even in that, God's goodness is seen. God's goodness is seen. It grieves my heart. It, it really does. It grieves my heart when I see families that are warring against themselves. It grieves my heart when I see husbands and wives not getting along. It grieves my heart when I see children not appreciate their parents. See, that's taking God's goodness and warping it and twisting it and perverting it. The goodness of God provides for our physical needs. The goodness of God provides for our emotional needs. And the goodness of God provides for our spiritual needs. He's got the whole ball of wax covered. Another thing about goodness is, uh, and this may not be the, the, the perfect word, but uh, I'm going to use the word discernment. Discernment. That's also a facet of, of this great goodness of God towards those who fear him and trust in him. God is good, correct? He is. God is good. When uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, saw the Lord in the temple, the seraphim said what? Holy, holy, holy. Right? God is good. God is holy. God is holy. He does all things well. He is ultimate good. He can do nothing contrary to his character. Everything he does is good. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Psalms 145.17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. We need to get that into our little noggins. Irregardless of what you're experiencing. Irregardless of what's going on in your life, you've got to get that in your heart and mind that God is good and he does all things good. A.W. Tozer once said, the most important thing about us is what we think about when we think about God. Well, God just don't care about me. Where's God in all this? Well, it's all God's fault. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? 
It's so important to get that in our minds that God is holy, God is righteous, He is always good, and He always does He always does good. Now think of it this way, guys. If God were not good, let's say He was a heel, let's say He is a no good. What hope do we have? If God is not good, what hope do we have in this world concerning justice, concerning evil being abolished? I mean, what hope do we have in anything in life if God is not good? None whatsoever. He's no better than the devil. Praise God that God is good and holy. He does all things right. Even when we don't agree with it. (laughs) It's still right. It's still good. Because God is good, we have the promise that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. So irregardless of what's going on right now, God is working it for your good. Yeah, even when it hurts. Even when you see a loved one decline. Even if you have a loved one pass away. Or you see your kids rebel. God's still working for good. That's a hard thing sometimes to come to grips with. It really is. That's why you've got to hang on to that truth that God is good. That God is good. If God is not good, if He's not holy, if He's not righteous, what hope do we have? No. We have no hope. We have no hope. So God is good, and here's the discernment part. Guess what God has given us? His Word. His Word. God is good, and we have His good Word. (laughs) We have His righteous Word. Romans 7.12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So guess what? We get to get in on God's mind. We get to get in on God's mind. Now, I'm not going to get into a big discussion on the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments is the most concise, the most righteous standard ever given to mankind. It covers everything. And what is the primary motive behind the Ten Commandments? It's a four-letter word, starts with L, ends with E. Love. Love. There you go. Love. That's the very core value of the Ten Commandments. Loving God and loving others. That's what Paul says. Romans 13.8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie to him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. Right? If you love your neighbor, you're certainly not going to kill him. Because God is good and he, desire, and, he, and he desires good for all mankind, he's given man a good law. A good word. Guess what this country's trying to do? Pitch it out. Remove it. Now, do you wonder why our country's in the state that it's in? Psalms, uh, Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. God is good, and so he's given us his word so that we can discern between what is good and what is evil. If God wasn't good, he wouldn't care. He wouldn't give us this standard. He wouldn't give us the ability to discern. Proverbs 4.5 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. When we look into God's good law, and we obey God's good law, then we have God's discernment concerning life, And therefore, goodness, mercy, and grace followeth all the days of our life. We forsake this, and goodness, mercy, and grace will not follow us all the days of our life. You see the connection? And then the third thing, justness or even-handedness. Uh, this means uh, to be beneficial or, go, or good to know or to do well or to do good. Like I said, God will always do that which is good. Therefore, God will always work good to the benefit of his own. Psalms 27:23 says, says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall... He shall not be able to cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. We have that promise. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, the goodness of God surrounds us, irregardless of what we're experiencing irregardless I quoted this before Romans 8.28 and we know that all things what does it say all things not just some of them all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose this is that aspect about which thou hast wrought to them that trust in thee when we're walking by faith, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, we've got this promise that even though it may look rough and bumpy or dark or desperate, in the end, God's good is going to come, come forth. Now, in closing, I want to just consider a few benefits that have been wrought by God according to his goodness concerning his word. First one is faith. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Romans 10, 15-17, you guys know these verses. I'm not saying anything here that you don't know. Romans 10, 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, one time, some 30, 40 years ago, a young man at TWA shared the gospel with me. He took the Bible, opened it up, and showed me what God's Word had to say as far as my condition and the solution to my condition. I took that, what he showed me home, got my wife's Bible, her old King James Bible that her grandmother gave to her, locked myself in that little bathroom in that little apartment, and I looked those verses up and read them with my own eyes 
And God gave me faith to believe. And I accepted Jesus Christ sitting on the toilet in that little bathroom in the apartment. God's word creates faith in us. Through the preaching and reading and teaching of God's word, God draws men to himself. Calls them to salvation. Who in here has had has that, had that same experience? Someone sharing with you what the Bible had to say. Raise your hand. How many? Quite a few. How many sat in a service and heard a preacher preach a, 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 a lesson on salvation and you received Christ then? There you go. Or did you he- read about it somewhere? Did somebody give you a tract? You see? That's what God's Word does. It, it gives you faith. And if your faith is waning, what should you do? Read His Word. Read His Word. Something else that God's goodness through His Word gave us new birth. New birth. James 1.18, of his own will, began he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. New birth. We are now new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. That incorruptible seed is the word of God. And the seed of God's word was sown in the soil of our hearts and by faith it took root and brought forth new life. New life. Genesis teaches us that that the seed brought forth fruit after its kind. It says here in 1 Peter 1.23 By the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. When that seed of God's word was planted in your heart, it begat, after its kind, eternal life. New birth. New birth. Those who believe in the eternal word have eternal life. That's the goodness of God in your life, folks. That ought to make you spit nails. You ought to rejoice in that. Second to Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. I think we have heard this so often that we've become jaded. To the, to the goodness that's, that, that is there. Don't become jaded. Growth. That's another goodness. 1 Peter 2, two for, uh, through 3 says, The new more babes desire the sincere miracle of the word, milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. True spiritual growth regarding this new life, this new birth, is only possible by the word of God. And God, out of his goodness, has given us this word. That's what we read about in Psalms 19, 7 through 10, as God's word works in you and brings about that, that, that renewing of your mind and that change in your life. That takes away from you all of those old things that weigh you down. He works that wonderful new work in your life. Second Peter three eighteen says, "But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." That's the goodness of God. Enlightenment. Is another good, a good thing. 
Psalms 119, 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. (laughs) How many had this same experience? When you receive Christ as your Savior and you started reading your Bible, it's like somebody flipped the light on in your mind. All of a sudden it started making sense. Because that's the light of God flooding into your soul. Education, knowledge for the sake of knowledge, that's not light. That's not light. A person can become the most educated person on the planet or even in the church. But you can still be in darkness. You can still be in darkness. Have you, have you noticed this? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that's noticed this. But does it seem that most of the trouble in this world is caused by educated fools who are living in darkness? Most of the trouble we're experiencing is because of so-called experts who live in darkness. And let me tell you something else. An educated mind, even about the Bible, is no guarantee of a pure heart. There's a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible. But they don't have a pure heart. Think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They knew a lot about the Bible. Acts 26.18, this is what Jesus said to Paul. His mission is, you know, preaching the gospel. He says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Psalms 119.105 says, the Lord is a, the, the word, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because of God's goodness, we've got the only true light in this world. We are a blessed people. We not only know him who is the light, but we also have his word that is a light unto our path. Number five, well-being. Well-being. Psalms 107.17 says, Fools, because of their transgression... And because of their iniquities are afflicted, their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know, fools are those who forsake God's word. But God, out of his goodness, is still calling for fools to repent. And when we as fools do repent, then we have the well-being of God upon our life. Those who fear God and trust in God's word, submit to it, obey it, then we have that that well-being of God. His goodness, his mercy, and his grace taking effect in our lives in their sanctification that's simply conformity to the image of Jesus Christ God's goodness in his word that's, that's what he's shooting for guys is to make us Christ like Christ like God's goodness being wrought in us right now he is trying to restore what Adam lost his image his image in our lives and it is God's goodness that's working this out in us it's God's goodness that's working this out in us number six, victory God's goodness wrought for us by his word and his indwelling spirit uh, spirit, victory over the enemy we've got victory over sin Psalms 119.9 says wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way 
By taking heed thereto according to thy word, with my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got victory over the world. John, uh, 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you that is, than he that is in the world. And we have victory over the devil as well. Remember when Jesus was led uh, into the wilderness by the Spirit and was tempted by the devil? And the devil tempted the Lord those three times? How did the Lord thwart the devil? He kept saying, It is written. It is written. Exactly. He kept saying, It is written. That's how you thwart the devil. You hit him with the truth. You hit him with the truth. The father of lies cannot stand up against the truth. So how great, oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. When we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not unto our own understanding, when we seek the light that God's word is in our life, then we are promised that God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace will follow us all the days of our life. All the days of our life. And being sons of God and children of light, right? Then we have this promise. We have this promise. You know, the world makes boasts of their father. We should brag about ours. We should brag about ours. That's what I mentioned earlier about when people see the goodness of God in your life. When people see the goodness of God in your life, they're going to ask, what is going on? 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. The same is known of him. So let that goodness shine. Let that goodness shine. What is it that uh, Jesus said that we are what? Cities? Be like a city on a hill. Don't put that light under a bushel basket. Let the goodness of God shine in your life to others. How do we do that? How can you let the goodness of God shine to others? The words we speak and the way we behave toward them. Our actions, our deeds. Right? We want them to see Jesus. Not Jeff. (laughs) Not Jeff. Make sense? Okay. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. I have 